0: Digital Marketer. This week, it's Trudy LeBron. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today we're going to be talking about something that can have a huge impact on your business, on your employees, and on your life. I sat down with Trudy LeBron, a business coach who specializes in equity and inclusion education, Strategy for the Coaching and Personal Development Industry. We get into what it means to have a diverse, equitable, and inclusive business, how to build out hiring practices, and finding candidates that contribute to further developing DEI in your workplace culture, what it really means to be anti-racist, and how all of this is more than a trend and more than a political movement. I believe this is such an important topic, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Here it is. Well, hi, Trudy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about this conversation. I, I think there is a time and a place for these conversations, and maybe mm-hmm. some people will say "This, it's over now, and, you know, <laughs> this is... It's long past due, and I'm kind of thinking maybe there's never not a time or place. Exactly.
1: You know, we live in a world where everyone has
0: equitable access to things and where people are just like, you know, living good lives. Yeah. Living it up, being themselves. Right. Well, before we kind of get into how some of our business owners, marketers, entrepreneurs can can bring diversity, equity, inclusivity into their own businesses and the transformations they're helping clients make. I want to know about your transformation. I know that you had kind of like a rough start and you built something really amazing. So I'd love to hear just about your beginnings.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in central Connecticut, in the cities in New Britain and Hartford, Connecticut. And, you know, kind of grew up in a working class family. And, you know, probably the roughest place to start was when I was 15 years old and, you know, found myself as a high school dropout with a baby. And so that was, you know, that was my beginning. And so by the time I was 16, I had two kids and I had dropped out of high school and the world had like really, really terrible messages to tell me about Mm -hmm. like what. My life would be, you know, and that was like reflected everywhere that I went, and you know, it just—you have a lot of choices to make, (laughs) like when you're when you're in that kind of position. And the easy choice is to just kind of like, you know, go to just do the easy things and like just get whatever kind of job and take care of your kids as best as you can. And I was fortunate enough to have the flexibility in my life to be able to like, go to school. And so like, I chose to go to college instead of just getting a, you know, entry level job. And I had the space in my life to be able to do that because I had supportive parents. And, you know, even though we didn't have like a lot of money, we understood that that was like a really important step. If I was gonna have a chance, (laughs) like you know, living a life that wasn't, That wasn't going to be what everybody was telling me. And what everybody was telling me was definitely that I was going to be poor for the rest of my life, that I was going to be uneducated, that I was going to be a burden and struggling forever. And, you know, that's not what happened. So (laughs) what happened instead was I went to school and I got a couple of degrees and worked in the nonprofit industry for a long time, focusing on a huge, like, human services, like helping people and also really understanding what, what the factors are in a person's life that do make a difference, Mm -hmm. you know, for people who are like coaches and things like that. Like, those are the things that we work on is like, what are the things, what are the things that people can do in their life to have a different outcome? And so like, you know, fast forward a bunch of years and now I have a, you know, successful consulting and coaching practice, teaching entrepreneurs from from newbie entrepreneurs to like multi you know seven figure entrepreneurs how to build businesses that are more inclusive and equitable and that really understand how to make an impact in the world so that their social justice values you know can live out through their work
0: yeah that's awesome so what do those words mean because some people may think they're interchangeable some people may think you know it's a lot of like you know snowflaky, cuddly stuff. Could you tell us more about what those words mean?
1: Yeah. So diversity, equity, inclusion are the three words that have been like around for quite a while. So diversity means like just different kinds of people. Diverse means different. Yeah. So when we're looking to build diversity, what we're looking to build is A community of people that come from, you know, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different ages, different worldviews, different educational experiences, just different. So it is about just the number of people in your space that are different from each other. That's just diversity. Diversity on its own doesn't really have a huge qualitative value. Like it doesn't really speak to anything about the experience that people are having in this space. Like it's really just about like numbers of people and differences between people. Mm. So which is why many years ago when I started in this world, what we did was diversity training. We went into companies and into schools and taught people how to bring more different kinds of people into the workplace. And what the field discovered was that that wasn't enough. It's not enough to just bring different people into the space um, if those spaces are not equitable or inclusive. And so that brings us to these other words. So equitable, uh, equity in this context means that people are having similar experiences, right? That they are able to achieve success at similar rates, which means that sometimes what you need to give people, the type of support that you need to give people is different. The best way to describe that is if we think about equality, which is like everybody gets the same thing, equal, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what people are used to and what a lot of us grew up thinking that we're all equal. And then it's just about giving everybody the same thing and treating everybody the same versus equity, which is about actually realizing that we need to treat people differently and we need to give people different types of support in order for them to achieve equal access to things. Because people are starting at different places and they have different, you know, different privileges. So equity is about helping people understand and building the tools to be able to create environments where people can thrive.
0: Yeah. And I think I've seen a a good analogy of that with just, you know, the difference between equity and equality is like you can have a set of stairs into a building so that everyone has equal access into the building. But if someone in a wheelchair cannot get up those stairs, it is not equitable. It's not an equitable solution. Right. Exactly.
1: And so inclusivity is like the next layer to that, which is really about considering what it means to really include all different kinds, a diverse range of people into environments, into workplaces, into processes with real intentional consideration of their needs and their ideas and their belief systems, in order to achieve equities, you can't come to an equitable solution. In your, in the example you just gave, like you won't come to the equitable example of maybe having a wheelchair ramp right. if you haven't included people who have who who need that kind of um, differentiation. You know, if you're not thinking about them, if you didn't include them into your thought process or into the in, into giving input, you don't come to equitable solutions. So what you need is equity. And what you need to achieve equity is inclusivity. And so now, so we have, you know, DEI, which is, has been a staple for a long time. And one that what is now being part of the conversation is in a bigger way is the term anti-racism, which is something that probably a lot of people have heard about. And anti-racism means the process of disrupting racist practice. And so looking at, it's not just not just saying, oh, I'm not racist. Mm-hmm which is kind of like neutral and just like, you know, some people would make the argument that that, it's not a neutral position actually because you're allowing racism racism to happen elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But anti-racism is about taking intentional steps to make sure that you don't replicate systems of oppression, that you're not replicating racist practice, you know, the things that create inequity in the first
0: place. Right, So yeah. those are what the words mean. The, those are that's our vocabulary list for today. I hope you guys <laughs> took some notes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the part that stuck out most to me, you know, when you when you do grow up hearing like, you know, diversity as long as we have, you know, all kinds of people, it's going to be fine. It's going to be diverse. But if you don't have that inclusivity, if you don't have those people who do have diverse thoughts, diverse backgrounds, They're not going to be invited into the conversation.
1: Exactly. And I always give this analogy of having a dinner party and inviting a whole bunch of people over to dinner. And you're just like really excited to invite people over to dinner and you have all the best intentions and you just want this to be like a really nice community space. All your friends are going to come and it's going to catch up and all that. And you didn't ask anybody what their dietary restrictions are. Now you have 20 people over and half of them can't eat because some of them are vegetarian and some of them have allergies to dairy and other people are, you know, having like different food needs. So your intention to like have everybody come together was great and amazing. And because you weren't really thinking about their experience and what they needed to have this beautiful experience now you have people in your space who like are not going to have the best time.
0: Yeah, well, this takes us kind of right into when you're building your business. I know there's there's people listening who are hiring or they are building up their business or even they're working with people every day and they want to change, you know, the types of people that they're attracting into their business. So how do you create a culture? How do you start hiring so that you can have that diversity as a starting point. Yeah. So
1: the first step is really an internal process and it's really, it really takes time and investment, you know, investment of time and energy to do some unpacking around, like, what are you holding on to? One of the things that happened, you know, I I am very much seeped in the coaching world. I'm a coach. Like that is mostly who I I work with personal development um, folks. And, you know, there are some practices that a lot of entrepreneurs take on that have to do with, for example, like, you know, personal development and like money mindset is a huge one. So people do a lot of work because they understand that when we grow up, we're, we hold on to these like stereotypes And to these, like, we have these subconscious thoughts about money Mm. that are impacting our ability to charge what we're worth and to, like, hang on to what we have and impact the way that we spend it and our, like, whole relationship with money. And so lots of people do lots of work to kind of, like, learn new ways of being so that we have a healthier relationship with, like, money and finances. It's the same process, Hmm. If you're talking about diversity, like we have to understand that all of us grow up in an environment where we have subconscious things going on that impact our relationship with different types of people. And we, you know, we hear and we, you know, some people grew up in families that were overtly racist, like directly racist. And even if we didn't, like we grew up in a culture that really centered whiteness as like the the norm, mm-hmm, right? The standard. Yeah. And so if we don't do the work to recognize that that is going on, like subconsciously and ask ourselves, like, where are we holding on to that? how has how is that impacting the community that I've built? how What kind of biases might be there? And this isn't about like making someone bad or not. This is like everybody. Like anyone who like grew up, especially if you grew up in the United States, like everyone has to confront this stuff. You mm-hmm. know even even black and brown folks at some point confront like what narratives have I adopted that I need to like just move and yeah. and you know, that aren't serving me? The, so the first step is really this kind of internal process of just like saying, what what have I created? Like, what's the business that I have created? Who are the who are the teachers that I learned from? Do they all look like me? Who are the podcast hosts that I listen to? Do they all happen to look like me? Who are the, like, look, look at your bookshelf. Like, mm-hmm. what are the authors you read? And just it, just like be on this inqu- inquisitive kind of quest to be like, well, why? Right. Why is it? And then to start diversifying from there, start reading, you know, black and brown authors, start listening to podcasts, like start to understand what these other worldviews and experiences are like so that when you invite people into your space and start doing more of the tactical work of diversity, and we're talking about like marketing and hiring practices that people show up into a space Where they can be seen and considered and held and feel, you know, and really feel welcome because you've, you're able to like provide that environment and culture for, for your entire team.
0: Yeah, that seems so important. And the, I love how you said being held. It's just, it's like, I don't know, there's something to the phrasing of being held that, like, just strikes me as, there's no like praising or judgment You're just, you're totally accepted and held there in what you are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. So once you do start diversifying your own thoughts, breaking through some of these biases you've grown up with and and kind of fighting some of the stereotypes, even in yourself, you know, I would say that's probably where a lot of imposter syndrome comes from anyway, these things we've been told about ourselves, you know, what does a hiring process look like when you, when you're worried about getting quotas, like having a quota or, or, you know, legal practices? Yeah. So the first thing that people need to
1: understand is that once you have done that kind of like personal work and you're prepared to lead a space that is diverse and inclusive, that your ability to build that is actually what's best for your business. And it's not like a compliance thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like a quota because like affirmative action or somebody said that you should, whatever. The fact is, is that it's best for your business. Like there are just endless amounts of studies that demonstrate that diverse companies perform better. They're more creative problem solvers. Like there, there's just so, the, the workplace richer, like it's just, you know, it's just so much better. So once you really understand that, you can start doing a variety of things, including like intentional relationship building for recruiting more folks of color, black and brown folks, folks from different countries, like you can really start doing that kind of work to build those relationships and to demonstrating that your company is a place for everyone to be, and that they're going to be treated equitably and they're going to be compensated appropriately, right? And really start to do that kind of recruitment work so that your applicant pool becomes more diverse. Mm -hmm. So this is not a question of like, do I hire someone because they're they're Black or because they're Latino or because they're Asian? No, like you're going to hire the best qualified candidate for the job. And what you need to do is make it so that it is more likely that the best candidate for the job is going to be a person of color, you know, like a someone in the BIPOC community. So black, indigenous, Asian, Latinx, like, you know, just someone who's not that everybody in your candidate pool is not just like straight, cis, white dude you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like you that so that that happens in your applicant pool and so building relationships with with people in like professional organizations or if you're recruiting from colleges like colleges will have sometimes like initiatives that serve underserved populations, or there'll be programs or different scholarship programs that cater to black and brown folks. And so like just doing the, the work and it takes time. It's right. not like the most efficient thing to do, but, and we often say this, like efficiency gets in the way of equity all the time because mm. when we're trying to quickly, we can't do the work to be inclusive and to be equitable and to really be thoughtful about how we're building companies. We're just moving fast.
0: Mm. And so you have to do, do the work on the front end, because, you know, if you, if you find the time to do the work, then, you know, at a time when maybe you do need to make a quick hire, you have a pool that's already filled and, you know, one, like a wonderful pool of candidates. I don't even say, You know, your suggestion about listening to thought leaders and reading books by, you know, diverse authors and that that is already you're already, you know, build like extending out your circle so that when you need recommendations from other business leaders, they have, you know, here's their apprentice or (laughs) I guess apprentice, their squire. But here's yeah, here's their mentee.
1: Yeah. When you start to do that work intentionally, your circle starts to shift
0: mm-hmm.
1: like just naturally because you start to see the world different. You start to show up differently like it, that just starts to happen.
0: Yeah. So the, the next step, I, I feel once you have that great pool, once you make those awesome hires, now there's a little bit of sharing that needs to happen with decision making to make it truly inclusive and equitable. Yeah. What are, what are some of the ways that people can make sure to do that thoughtfully? So one of the things that my clients do when they're building their
1: pipeline mm-hmm. and they're looking for candidates and that whole like process of hiring, they build in questions to their interviews and their application process. That's about like, how do you contribute to an inclusive culture? Like, what are your values around inclusivity? Like just asking those questions, mm-hmm. and making those questions important parts of your decision making. Because if your value, if, and people, you don't have to run your business this way, but like people say they want to, right? And so like, if you want to build your business this way and you want to prioritize an equitable, inclusive environment, then you should ask your applicants, your candidates, like what's, how are they going to contribute to an environment that's inclusive? And like, what are their values around diversity, equity, and inclusivity? And All of your candidates should be able to answer those questions. It gives you an idea that you're... It gives you the confidence that you're sharing your values and that everyone that you bring in shares values. And so if someone comes in and you ask a question about diversity and you say, one of our core values is inclusivity you know, how do you take up, how do you take a part in that? And you get an answer from a candidate. That's like, well, I don't understand why politics should be part of the workplace. That's not a good candidate. Like they don't, they no longer qualify to work there.
0: Mm.
1: And so what you, what happens when you build in these kinds of questions is that the people who rise to the top of your candidate pool, your final candidates, just you, you can make, the decision around like, well, who's now the best qualified for the job? Because you know that all of them are going to have this like lens around equity. They're going to be committed to it. They don't have to be experts in it, but at least like they share these values Mm -hmm. and you're going to likely find that the percentage of those people are going to be more diverse.
0: Mm. I love that. And then yeah, and then already they're making really awesome changes into the workplace culture. And exactly. and I think I, I've seen that, you know, as we've started doing the work here too, just you know, starting seeing candidates asking questions about yeah. our, you know, yes. our initiatives and, and the moves we're making and the things that we are trying to do. And, you know, every time a candidate asks that, it's like, oh, and a little like, oh, da. Yeah.
1: I, I love that that's
0: happening. That is very
1: new. And uh, it's something that I've been telling people for a while. You know, I've been at this for years <laughs> and, you know, warning people that, you know, the world is waking up and that like pretty soon they're going to have to be held accountable. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing candidates come into companies and not just candidates, but also clients mm-hmm. more discerning about where they're putting their dollars. And so you know, my clients are getting emails from clients and potential job applicants that are asking, like, what's your policy around anti-racism? And also to take it out of race for a second, questions like how did your company respond to the COVID crisis, mm-hmm. you know, and and using companies' response as kind of an indicator of their moral compass, right? you know? Yeah did you shut down? Did you continue to pay employees? Did you make them still come to work? Like what, how did you respond? What did you do? And it gives people, you know, really good information about whether they want to work there or whether they want to put their dollars there.
0: Yeah. What the the culture is like, not only for who is working and who's doing, doing the work, but also who is giving you the money, which, yeah. you know, just helps the machine keep going. So kind of on that, you know, I think there might be some people listening who are like, great. Yeah. All this stuff is good stuff, but you know, I'm here to market my product and I'm here to make sure that it's in as many hands as possible who are qualified, who want it and who will pay for it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of, what do you have to say to them in regards to why this is an important process?
1: Yeah. So people definitely have choice here, right? Like around how they want to run their business and and all, you know, all of these things. My work is really about helping people who say and who believe that, you know, they want to, they want themselves and their business to be contributing to a better world, Mm -hmm. right? And so here are just the facts. The facts are that right now we can guess, not guess, we can accurately predict Someone's life outcome based on their race and their zip code, right? We can ad- th- just take that in for a minute that we can accurately predict the likelihood that someone will graduate high school or go to college or how much money they'll earn or whether or not they'll go to jail or how old they'll be when they die. Like we can accurately predict those things based on someone's race and zip code. And that is a problem. Mm. The reason that we can do that is because this country was built on structural oppression. And so some communities were marginalized and oppressed and didn't have access, and others had a lot. That's the only way you get to a place where your statistics can like predict that kind of thing. Mm. So the work around equity, inclusion, anti racism, you know, it's not just about like, whatever the hot topic is, you know, changing, you know, disrupting or rebuilding the justice system or school reform or abolish police or whatever, like these things, they're important. They're really important conversations to have, but those are not the goal. The goal is actually that we live in a world where we can no longer predict someone's life outcomes based on their race. That
0: Mm. is
1: a problem. And that is actually, per- it's perpetuated by all these things like the justice system and education and healthcare. Those are just systems that uphold the bigger problem. Right. So all of us, anybody who's an entrepreneur has an opportunity to use their business as just a small way to make an impact. Right. Yeah. Thinking about like, okay, well, how do you hire people? How do you compensate people? Like, what are your local, are you making local investments in your community? Like if you're, whether you're an online business or not, we're mostly online business, but we have really deep roots in our physical community. So we have physical space. We run programs locally. Like, you know, we have a real like intentional presence here. Like the vast majority of my team are people who work here or who live here in the city. So, we have, even though it's it may not feel like this world changing stuff. If if all of us do it, or if most of us do it, it can create a huge culture change, a huge impact. Yeah, so that's why it's important.
0: Yeah, and um, I think that's a wonderful. I think that if you have a business and you believe in the mission of your business and you believe that you want to make an impact and you believe that your business can do that and it can transform someone's life, then there are endless opportunities and, you know, endless benefits for attracting diverse audiences and, you know, putting that transformation in their hands. What are the next steps for extending out your circle beyond inside the workplace, but to do it externally as well.
1: Yeah. I'm a big advocate for local involvement. So like wherever you live, like start understanding the dynamics in whatever community that you're involved in. Like whether you have children or don't have children like just try to understand a little bit about what's happening around education mm-hmm. like you know in your like local context or or you know if you're if you're in a place where you know it's a more affluent you know seems like you have no problems what's the closest city to you like check out the disparity between the closest mm-hmm. city and like where you happen to live right also consider like lending your expertise in the nonprofit sector like Consider getting on the board, the board of directors of a nonprofit, for example. A lot of nonprofits requirements for their boards are like a quarterly meeting and like a couple of committee meetings. You know, that's it. That's (laughs) That's not a huge investment of time. Right. I mean, in some places it's more and, you know, whatever. Obviously, if you have more capacity, you can offer more. But just check it out, like check out like what it would mean for you to like lend your expertise as a business owner to do some coaching with an executive director or Mm -hmm. on a board of directors or in a local school or whatever, you know, just so that you're understand not to come in and like save people like that is that's not what we want. What we want is for real participation and to come in and, and ask, here are the skills I have. How can I help? Right. Instead of saying like, here, let me tell you how to fix this. Just kind of being like, how do I help? And really being again, that that inquisitive nature is like the best thing that you can foster to just be like, I see these things are happening. Like what's the best use of my time, financial and intellectual resources? Like, how can I support you? You know? And just, and just asking. So that's a, that's a big one. Also thinking about volunteerism or impact or, you know, like, like financial, if there can be some kind of like sustained financial impact that your company is doing, like giving or that you're, or you're personally, you know, giving and sustaining like local efforts for things that are important to you, right? Like, I'm not going to tell people here, give your money to this one place. Like Mm. what are your values, right? What do you care about most? And like, find the thing in your area that like lines up with that. So you really feel invested and that you're really a part of something. Get to know people, build community, you know, like don't isolate. It's really easy, especially for us in the online space to be isolated and to really pick like, well, these are my friends and these are my colleagues. And like, I don't really have to leave my house if I don't want to, <laughs> you know? Like, it's really easy for us to opt out of like, just kind of like daily life. Yeah. You know, a yeah. like local place, but so intentionally
0: opt in. Intentionally opt in. Yeah. I love that. When, when you're working with, with clients as a coach, you know, how do you know that you're successful when it, when it comes to DEI?
1: Yeah. So what we look for with our clients is a couple things. Like we look for, General consciousness raising and what we call fluency. So someone's ability to just talk about the concepts around race, around equity, around oppression, around like how those things manifest in the workplace. Sometimes people come to us at the beginning and they can barely say white. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that, that that's a really uncomfortable thing for them to to say and that they're really struggling with like, is it okay to say white people or black people? Like, is that is that bad? You know, those really basic things. And then by the end of the time that they're, we're working together, they can like have these conversations with, you know, not that they're experts, but again, more confidently, more fluidly. And it doesn't like rattle them to be able to yeah. just have conversations and say the things that need to get said. So that's one thing. Also, their ability to not take things personal, like to understand that mistakes will be made and that it doesn't require you to like totally shut down and make yourself a bad person about it. But that people understand that racism, that oppression, that systemic oppression, that these are things that we all just grew up with and not something that any of us individually built, but that we have different parts that we hold different parts of it. And that this doesn't make you a bad person necessarily, you know, like, but it's just their willingness to kind of accept their place in the system and to learn the skills to start to disrupt that. So that's, that's something else. And then, you know, we have our clients set goals for themselves. So some of our clients want to hit revenue goals, but they want to hit their revenue goals with a different sales process. That's a little less intense and pitchy and that gives more spaciousness or that has like more of a flexible contract, for example. Some people are working on marketing strategies that that, you know, are more inclusive or they're diversifying their podcasts. And so they need to build relationships. So everybody is like setting their own goals around equity. And then we're like asking them, okay, like, where are you right now? And then at the end, how did you do? So we're like looking and like, not just sending people on their way and be like okay see you later and not really understanding like did they achieve the goals that they that they set
0: those are really good places to start especially for you know someone who is starting and it, it reminds me so i used to be a spanish teacher in my past life and it reminds me of when you're teaching kids to to speak the language and they don't want to because they don't want to make a mistake and they don't want to do it wrong and they don't want to look like a dummy and so i think the more you hold things in and the less you're willing to put things in your own words as simple as share you know just sharing only someone else's instagram you know words because they say it better but i think In order to take the training wheels off, you have to put things into your own words and make your own moves and you might make mistakes. Yeah. You might make mistakes. And that's just part of like being a human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't I know it? Well, Trudy, we have one final question before we get to the end. But before I ask that question, I'd love to know where can people find out more about you, what you do, work with you, all that stuff?
1: Yeah, folks can come and hang out with me on Instagram where I'm spending more time these days and they can just find me at Trudy LeBrun. And to learn more about working with us, you should just email us at hello at Trudy LeBrun and my team will get you to the right person. Yeah, we're really excited to like meet people and we have a big team and a lot of different ways that we can offer support, whether through coaching or consulting. So if you're just even wondering where to even start with all this stuff, like reach out and we'll we'll put you in touch with the team who can kind of walk you through getting started.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, you don't have to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And Trudy, my final question is something I ask every first-time guest of the podcast. So if you could go back in time to the person you were before you had your, your two degrees, what would you say to her with the knowledge you have now? And yeah. why would you say it? I would
1: tell her to just be patient and, and that she is right. (laughs) I would definitely say that because, you know, there were lots of days and weeks and months even (laughs) where I felt like I was just like, I was like, am I, am I wrong? you know, I'm like putting on putting all this effort, taking on, like going to school, having all these big dreams, you know, dream, dreams that like one day I'd be an entrepreneur I didn't know what, you know, I just knew that I was not a good employee, <laughs> and so, you know, because I just can't be in, you know, like just the, the system,
0: the formality of some right. workplaces.
1: I was like, I, I
0: think 70% of the people listening are like, yep, I feel you.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I was like looking at my life, like, this is hard. Like I'm getting up in the morning. I'm putting two children on the bus to go to school. I'm walking because I didn't have a car. I'm walking to campus. I'm getting a theater degree. What am I even going to do with that? You know what I mean? I love that you have a theater degree. Yeah, my bachelor's degree is in theater. My master's is in psychology. And I'm currently writing my dissertation for my PhD in psychology. Um, Yeah. That's amazing. And, you know, so like that when I was in, you know, undergraduate school and like walking to campus, like I definitely was like what are you doing? Like, (laughs) you know, many days of just like, just throw it all away. And, you know, even at the beginning of my coaching practice, when I was like out here telling, trying to tell coaches like, Hey, you need to diversify your practice. Like, this is going to be an issue. I know you don't think so right now, but like in a few years, it's going to be a problem because I had been doing that work in school systems for 10 Mm -hmm. years. So I, I saw the trend and I knew that this industry was late, you know, and people weren't like listening
0: and so there were many days where I was like, I'm just going to throw it all in the garbage. <laughs> but you were right. But I was You're right. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Trudy, thank you so much for this conversation. It was so good. And yeah, I'd love to have you back on and just, you know, yeah. talk more about what's coming up next and, and go even deeper. Yeah, I'd love to look forward to it. Well, to everyone out there listening, thank you so much for joining us today. It means so much to have a little bit of your day each week. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Goodbye.